0: Section 16 of And Even Now by Max Beerbohm. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 16. The Crime. 1920. On a bleak, wet, stormy afternoon, at the outset of last year's spring, I was in a cottage, all alone, and knowing that I must be all alone till evening. It was a remote cottage, in a remote country, and had been let furnished by its owner. My spirits are easily affected by weather, and I hate solitude, and I dislike to be master of things that are not mine. "'Be careful not to break us,' say the glass and china. "'You'd better not spill ink on me,' growls the carpet." "'None of your dog's earring, thumb-marking, back-breaking tricks here,' snarled the books. The books in this cottage looked particularly disagreeable, horrid little upstarts of this and that scarlet or cerulean series of standard authors. Having gloomily surveyed them, I turned my back on them and watched the rain streaming down the latticed window whose pains seemed likely to be shattered at any moment by the wind. I have known men who constantly visit the central criminal court, visit also the scenes where famous crimes were committed, form their own theories of those crimes, collect souvenirs of those crimes, and call themselves criminologists. As for me, my interest in crime is, alas, merely morbid i did not know as those others would doubtless have known that the situation in which i found myself was precisely of the kind most conducive to the darkest deeds i did but bemoan it and think of lear in the hovel on the heath the wind howled in the chimney and the rain had begun to sputter right down it so that the fire was beginning to hiss in a very sinister manner Suppose the fire went out. It looked as if it meant to. I snatched the pair of bellows that hung beside it. I plied them vigorously. Now mind not too vigorously. We aren't yours, they wheezed. I handled them more gently, but I did not release them till they had secured me a steady blaze. I sat down before that blaze. Despair had been warded off. Gloom, however, remained, and gloom grew. I felt that I should prefer any one's thoughts to mine. I rose. I returned to the books. A dozen or so of those which were on the lowest of the three shelves were full-sized, or octavo, looked as though they had been bought to be read. I would exercise my undoubted right to read one of them. Which of them? I gradually decided on a novel by a well-known writer whose works, though I had several times had the honor of meeting her, were known to me only by repute. I knew nothing of them that was not good. The lady's output had not been at all huge, and it was agreed that her level was high. I had always gathered that the chief characteristic of her work was its great vitality. THE BOOK IN MY HAND WAS A THIRD EDITION OF HER LATEST NOVEL, AND AT THE END OF IT WERE NUMEROUS PRESS NOTICES, AT WHICH I GLANCED FOR CONFIRMATION. IMMENSE VITALITY, YES, SAID ONE CRITIC. FULL, SAID ANOTHER, OF AN INTENSE VITALITY. A BOOK THAT WILL LIVE, SAID A THIRD. HOW ON EARTH DID HE KNOW THAT? i was however very willing to believe in the vitality of this writer for all present purposes vitality was a thing in which she herself her talk her glance her gestures abounded she and they had been i remembered rather too much for me the first time i met her she said something that i lightly and mildly disputed on no future occasion did i stem any opinion of hers not that she had been rude far from it she had but in a sisterly brotherly way and yet in a way that was filially eager too asked me to explain my point i did my best she was all attention but i was conscious that my best under her eye was not good she was quick to help me she said for me just what i had tried to say and proceeded to show me just why it was wrong. I smiled the gallant smile of a man who regards women as all the more adorable because logic is not their strong point. Bless them. She asked, not aggressively but strenuously, as one who dearly loves a joke, what I was smiling at. Altogether a chastening encounter— and my memory of it was tinged with a feeble resentment. How she had scored! No man likes to be worsted in an argument by a woman, and I fancy that to be vanquished by a feminine writer is the kind of defeat least of all agreeable to a man who writes. A sex-war, we are often told, is to be one of the features of the world's future women demanding the right to do men's work and men refusing resisting counter-attacking it seems likely enough one can believe anything of the world's future yet one conceives that not all men if this particular evil come to pass will stand packed shoulder to shoulder against all women one does not feel that the dockers will be very bitter against such women as want to be miners or the plumbers frown much upon the would-be steeple-jills i myself have never had my sense of fitness jarred nor a spark of animosity roused in me by a woman practising any of the fine arts except the art of writing that she should write a few little poems or pensées or some impressions of a trip in a dahabieh as far as say biskra or even a short story or two seems to me not wholly amiss even though she do such things for publication but that she should be an habitual professional author with a passion for her art and a fountain pen and an agent and sums down in advance of royalties on sales in Canada and Australia, and a profound knowledge of human character and an essentially sane outlook, is somehow incongruous with my notions, my mistaken notions, if you will, of what she ought to be, has a profound knowledge of human character and an essentially sane outlook, said one of the critics quoted at the end of the book that I had chosen. The wind and the rain in the chimney had not abated, but the fire was bearing up bravely. So would I. I would read cheerfully and without prejudice. I poked the fire and, pushing my chair slightly back, lest the heat should warp the book's covers, began chapter one. A woman sat writing in a summer-house at the end of a small garden that overlooked a great valley in Surrey. The description of her was calculated to make her very admirable, a thorough woman, not strictly beautiful, but likely to be thought beautiful by those who knew her well, not dressed as though she gave much heed to her clothes, but dressed in a fashion that exactly harmonized with her special type her pen travelled rapidly across the fool's cap, and while it did so she was described in more and more detail but at length she came to a knotty point in what she was writing she paused she pushed back the hair from her temples she looked forth at the valley and now the landscape was described but not at all exhaustively for the writer soon overcame her difficulty and her pen travelled faster than ever till suddenly there was a cry of mammy and in rushed a seven-year-old child in conjunction with whom she was more than ever admirable after which the narrative skipped back across eight years and the woman became a girl giving as yet no token of future eminence in literature but i had an impulse which i obeyed almost before i was conscious of it nobody could have been more surprised than i was at what i had done done so neatly so quietly and gently the book stood closed upright with its back to me just as on a bookshelf behind the bars of the grate there it was and it gave forth as the flames crept up the blue cloth sides of it a pleasant though acrid smell my astonishment had passed giving place to an exquisite satisfaction how pottering and fumbling a thing was even the best kind of written criticism i understood the contempt felt by the man of action for the man of words but what pleased me most was that at last "'Actually, I, at my age, I, of all people, had committed a crime, was guilty of a crime. "'I had power to revoke it. "'I might write to the bookseller for an unburnt copy and place it on the shelf where "'this one had stood, this gloriously glowing one. "'I would do nothing of the sort.' what i had done i had done i would wear for ever on my conscience the white rose of theft and the red rose of arson if hereafter the owner of this cottage happened to miss that volume let him if he were fool enough to write to me about it would i share my grand secret with him no gently with his poker i prodded that volume further among the coals THE ALL-BUT-CONSUMED BINDING SHOT FORTH LITTLE TONGUES OF BRIGHT COLOR, FLAMELETS OF SAPPHIRE, AMETHYST, EMERALD. CHARMING. COULD EVEN THE AUTHOR HERSELF NOT ADMIRE THEM? PERHAPS. POOR WOMAN. I HAD SCORED NOW, SCORED SO PERFECTLY, THAT I FELT MYSELF TO BE ALMOST A BRUTE WHILE I POKED OFF THE LOOSENED BLACK OUTER PAGES and let the fire on to pages that were but pale brown. These were quickly devoured, but it seemed to me that whenever I left the fire to forage for itself, it made little headway. I pushed the book over on its side. The flames closed on it, but presently, licking their lips, fell back as though they had had enough. I took the tongs and put the book upright again, and raked it fore and aft. It seemed almost as thick as ever. With poker and tongs I carved it in two, three sections, the inner pages flashing white as when they were sent to the binders. Strange. A a book was burnt now and again in the marketplace by the common hangman. Was he, I wondered, paid by the hour? I had always supposed the thing quite easy for him. A bright, little, brisk, little conflagration, and so, home. Perhaps other books were less resistant than this one. I began to feel that the critics were more right than they knew. Here was a book that had, indeed, an intense vitality, and an immense vitality. It was a book that would live, do what one might i vowed it should not i subdivided it spread it redistributed it ever and anon my eye would be caught by some sentence or fragment of a sentence in the midst of a charred page before the flames crept over it always loathed you but i remember and think tolstoy was right who had always loathed whom and what, what had Tolstoy been right about? I had an absurd but genuine desire to know. Too late. Confound the woman. She was scoring again. I furiously drove her pages into the yawning crimson jaws of the coals. Those jaws had lately been golden. Soon, to my horror, they seemed to be growing grey. They seemed to be closing on nothing." Flakes of black paper, full-sized layers of paper, brown and white, began to hide them from me altogether. I sprinkled a box full of wax matches. I resumed the bellows. I lunged with the poker. I held a newspaper over the whole grate. I did all that inspiration could suggest or skill accomplish. Vainly. The fire went out. Darkly dismally, gradually, quite out. How she had scored again! But she did not know it. I felt no bitterness against her as I lay back in my chair, inert, listening to the storm that was still raging. I blamed only myself. I had done wrong. The small room became very cold, Whose fault was that but my own? I had done wrong hastily, but had done it, and been glad of it. I had not remembered the words a wise king wrote long ago, that the lamp of the wicked shall be put out, and that the way of transgressors is hard. End of section sixteen.